Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. We're joined by a very special guest, a former Mariners player, currently with Manly United. His name is Matt Sim. Thank you for joining me. And how's your day been so far? Yeah, it's been good. A little bit of a day off from football today, which is nice. A uh, little midweek break, heading back into the end of the week, which gets gets quite busy with football. But uh, it's been good so far. No, that's fair enough. Um, obviously, before we get stuck into talking about your career and whatnot, um, we were just talking off record, but I may as well get it on the record. Um, what are your thoughts on the Mariners grand final coming up? And how do you think they'll go? Yeah, like we are just saying, it's, it's fantastic to see the club back there. Um, I came the season after they were last in the grand final um, mm-hmm. back in, in 2012, 2013 season. And, you know, the buzz around the place that kind of stuck there for, for those few months after was still evident. And, you know, it left a lasting and long legacy for, for the club and for the people of the area. And there's been some tough times in between for the fans of the club and, and everyone involved. And to get back there now, I think, is a testament to, to how clubs can get back up on their feet and rebuild and get back to, you know, the big game and, and hopefully can go on with it this weekend. Oh, absolutely. And as a Mariners fan myself, fingers crossed that the Mariners get the win because um, obviously they've been in many grand finals, unfortunately winning one of them. So hopefully they can get that percentage grand final wins a bit better on uh, this coming weekend. But this obviously isn't about your isn't about the grand final. It's about your career and a chinwag with Matt Sims. So let's get started. Obviously, your youth academy sort of days were at the Newcastle Jets. What was that like? Yeah, I was kind of when when I was coming through, it was in the tough period when the NSL had kind of broken down and there was no mm-hmm. sort of academies and pathways. And if you didn't get into the N-Swiss or and eventually the AIS, it was obviously very, very difficult then to, to put yourself into the professional window and, and pathway. And I was at uh, Spirit, Northern Spirit had just changed to renamed and rebranded after that kind of went down to, to spirit and I was there and kind of looking okay what was going to be next and the A-League mm-hmm. had just started that year for young players at the time there was only a couple of of under 20 spots on an A-League roster you know Sydney FC had the likes of Mark Milligan, Ruben Zadkovic, these kind of guys so it was difficult for someone sort of 18, 19 to see where where would the kind of game go for it go yep. for you and so I kind of came in and found a, found a place at Manly who were obviously an MPL one club at the time and, and spent a couple of years then. And then the, the youth setup started to happen. And I was a trainer member at Sydney FC in the first season of the youth league, but they can't say anything again. It was only a, a small competition of kind of eight yeah. games and only 12 contracts up for grabs at any oh, given wow. club. So I remember back then Sydney FC's first ever youth team was stacked with players who either directly came out of the AIS, like Ryan Grant and these kind of ones. Um, and MPL one players who were playing first grade week in week out, and it was a very yeah. very strong squad um, full of great players. And so I kind of was a train on then. And then the following season was offered an opportunity to go to the Jets, and that kind of was a good opportunity to get into the professional landscape here and and kind of see how it works and and to learn off some some top professionals kind of day in day out and and see where it could take me. Now that's fair enough. And obviously um, the time up in Newcastle definitely helped. And so when you got to Newcastle, what was it like? Uh, what was the, um, you could say the facilities and the resources and all that sort of like for you? Yeah. I remember when I joined the club, it was in the Asian Champions League at a time that kind of got yep. through a successful period uh, in the A-League. And there was a lot of young players who were starting to be given their chance in the first team. So it was something that I was like, this is a great opportunity to kind of go in. 
um, was funnily enough the kind of I think the week that I kind of joined Gary Van Egmond was there and then he was out. He was off to to join I think the Young Soccerers or the AIS set up and, and a new head coach was in. So I started to see very early on that you know coaches can change very very quickly. But the, the yeah. kind of feeling around the club at the time was the A League had got going. There were some big names there. It was a good thing to kind of be a part of. There were some foreign names coming out and playing for the different teams. Um, and it was a it was a great kind of place to live and try and you know kind of forge a career and as a footballer and and it's something I look back on now. I only spent a year there, but you know I've still got friends that I played with in in that kind of team and that I see every now and again, which is which is great. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I mean, sure, you may have only spent a year there, but that year, like as you said, you you made connections for life, basically, and that that's what it's that's part of what it's all about. And from Newcastle, you jetted all the way. Or excuse the pun with jetted because Newcastle just yeah. didn't think of that. Um, you, you jetted back down south uh, to Manly United, who you're currently at now. But there, yep. this isn't this isn't the same time time frame. Is to anyone who's listening, you went to Manly United, then you went to a lot of other clubs in between, and now you're back at Manly yeah, United. Back, yeah. Yeah, so talk to us about your first stint at Manly United after the, your time at the Jets. Yeah, so after I kind of left the Jets, I went on trial at a couple of different places, the Raw, yep. uh, the Fury and, and those kind of things, and it didn't work out. The season, I kind of went on and did a pre-season up at Brisbane. You know, Ange had just taken over and the kind of insights into the early days there and how he then went on to build, obviously, a bit of a dynasty there. And a bit of a powerhouse, yeah. Career. I mean, then, yeah, like he's he's in the um he's in the works for taking over Spurs from what, yeah. what we're led to believe. Yeah, and you kind of see that, you know, reflecting back then on the on the few weeks I spent up there then that was you could kind of see how level detailed he was, how you know he controlled everything that had to do with the football program at that club and had his ideas yeah. and philosophies on where to take the team. And um yeah, so I kind of spent some time bouncing around trying to find something. I I spent time overseas trialing as well at Swansea and Newport in in Wales and things didn't work out. So I came back and at the time there was a couple of young coaches who would take over the first team at Manly from Phil Moss who had moved on to the Mariners and Mm -hmm. I spent a couple of seasons then. But same again, the the, the NPL was in this situation where there wasn't a lot of young players still going to A-League clubs. So it was a, a fairly strong competition given that there was a lot of players who would still transition from the NSL into the A-League. Yeah. And there were players who wanted to still get to the NSL that were now playing in the NPL who were maybe in their mid-20s. And, and going back there kind of at 2021, I was given the opportunity to play football regularly for a couple of seasons and, you know, was given a little bit of, of responsibility on the pitch from an attacking sense to kind of bring to the team what I could. And and those couple of years really helped me because, as I said, there were boys there who had been professionals in the NSL and overseas who I kind of learnt off um, and had the opportunity to play with and, Craig Midgley, who uh, was working there as the head coach at the time, and Richie Williams, who's now working with the Welsh under-16 national team, they were great for me to to kind of harness what it was that I was good at and, and to yep. get better at it and to push on to hopefully become a professional one day. And, well, I mean, you, you definitely did. But before you did, you went from Manly to uh, Sutherland Sharks. What was that like going down even a little bit further south down to Sutherland. Yes. So the funny thing about that was literally I kind of had agreed to go to Sutherland at the back end of a season. And then there was kind of some rumors going around that there was some potential A-League interest at that time when I was at Manly. And I kind of had made the decision that, okay, if I'm going to get there, maybe let's try something new to see if it can push me there. And literally, I think I maybe only had a week's worth of training at Sutherland in pre-season when the Mariners called and, yeah, they um, did. The opportunity came knocking. So, yeah, never really got to 
to step on the pitch in an official game, but I kind of had gone there given that the coach at the time, Rob Stanton, had a track record for pushing players from MPL and beyond to to be at the best that they could. And obviously he's gone on to do big things in the A-League, you know, as an assistant at Sydney FC. So, you know, it was a great opportunity to to work with someone like him, even though for a brief period. Oh, absolutely. And then as, as you just mentioned, you were originally loaned to the Mariners um, and then you ended up obviously getting a permanent gig at the Mariners, which was your first professional, well, full-time professional A-League team. What was it like, obviously, as we were talking before we started recording, it was just after the 2012-13 grand final win. What was it like at the Mariners around that time? Yeah, I remember, you know, joining the club, um, you know, early on in January, I think it was around January of that year. And the like I said, the club had done really well the season before. They were in a really good position in the league in the top few, three or four at the time as well. Some players had departed in that kind of period when I came in. You know, Sainsbury had moved on. Matty Ryan, I think, had moved on at the start of the season. Bernie Abini. Um, so some of the young players that Arnie had brought through and won that grand final with were given opportunities to do, you know, big things in Europe. And um, so coming to the club, there was a, a lot of the core was still there, the experienced players, and the expectation was to still compete um, and to push on. And, yeah, it was a good opportunity. Myself and, and Glenn Trafiro were pulled out of the MPL to, to come into the team. And, you know, we were very grateful for the opportunity that season. We played in the Champions League. We ended up getting knocked out in the preliminary final of the A-League to, to Western Sydney as well. So all in all, it was a pretty successful kind of first six months and then was given the opportunity to extend and, and to stay beyond that. Which is amazing because um, you are definitely a... While you may not have played like a lot of games sort of thing compared to like 100 gamers sort of thing for the Mariners, Mm -hmm. you're definitely a cult hero, a cult member sort of thing amongst the fans. And so one thing I want to bring up is uh, four goals in 19 minutes against Palm Beach Sharks in the FFA Cup for the Mariners, which, which, by the way, to anyone who's listening that may not know, every Mariners fan who's listening will know, um, you didn't even start the game. You started from the bench, 71st minute, and in 19 minutes you score four goals. Yeah. Obviously, you remember it like it was yesterday. What was it like? There's a couple of funny stories that kind of go with that. So oh, we'd please played, do. Um, we'd played Wellington on the weekend and we got done 2-1, but, you know, we were kind of all over and we couldn't put the ball in the net and it was the second game of the season. So the team had started to kind of gel and get together and it was the first full season, obviously, or pre-season Mossy had added the team. And then the day before we're supposed to go to Palm Beach, I think we're supposed to leave on the Monday to on the Tuesday to play on the Wednesday. And yeah. um, I remember being at home and my phone ringing and it was the team manager, Rick, at the time. And, and he's ringing me saying, where are you? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just home getting ready about to come to training. And I was late. So they changed the time of training because we were leaving to fly out early. I had completely forgotten about it. I hadn't oh. scheduled, made a complete mistake. So I'm at home panicking going, oh, what's going to go on here? So I get to training. Literally, I'm that late. The boys are about to walk out to start to train. Yep. Mossy's seen me as I'm walking in. He's shaking his head at me like, what have you done? Something. Like, oh, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Yep. So funnily enough, in the end, so he does actually, he does he punish you by making you well, be on the bench? No, I think the plan was probably to be on the bench. But I'm thinking at oh, that okay. point that he might completely hook me out of the team and not even take me. Like, oh, you know, I'm obviously yeah. only been here for six months. I'm still a young player. The older boys wouldn't have been very happy. This is kind of mm. one of those things where you're dropping the standards and rightly so. Not yeah. there panicking, thinking, okay, maybe he won't even put me on the uh, on the field. So we get up to obviously Gold Coast and um, we play in the game. And and funnily enough, I'm sitting there and it's 1-0 and the boys were playing 
well, but as you get when you play the NPL teams, they can be very resilient, tough to break oh, yeah. down. You know, they're getting their chance every now and again, breaking away, and then he kind like, of before you know they can score like they, they can score four on you, and you it won't can even be, realize exactly. And and he kind of looks down the bench, and and I'm thinking, okay, is, that, is he going to put me on, or is he still angry with me? <laughs> and in the end, he kind of throws me on for those kind of 19 minutes. And funnily enough, uh, Glenn Trafura had played that game, and. And all the talk was that he was obviously going to maybe be man of the match because he'd had such a good game in the lead. Next up minute, four goals in, and in the end, minutes. In the end, you know, I get out there and and it just happened so quickly. But it's obviously an experience that not many get to have. And no. to score four goals in such a short period of time was was something pretty special. And I look back on as a as a very memorable moment of my, my career. I definitely liken it to Mark Viduka's four goals against uh, for Leeds United against Liverpool, as yeah. I'm a massive Leeds United fan. Yeah. Um, and it's it it really is it it's the stuff of of myths of legends. Four goals, nineteen minutes, and you only play yeah. nineteen minutes in the game. It's 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 amazing. Um, and looking back on your career so far, is that your highlight? Do you reckon, or is there? A it was definitely highlight? up there. Since then, I kind of been lucky enough to experience some, some pretty good things as well. But I think yep. you know for. The Mariners and the kind of the time that that was as well, it was a, a real good opportunity. You know, the the only thing that kind of bugs me a little bit about that kind of run was that that FFA Cup, we then made the semi-final and had a really good chance to go through and were beaten by, I think, the eventual champs, Adelaide, so in the yeah. semi-final. So, but once again, it was it was a kind of a new competition that was getting brought in at the time. It had only been running for a, for a year or two and... You know, to come on and do something like that, like to score four goals in 90 minutes would be amazing because I haven't haven't yeah. actually done it since. And but to do <laughs> yeah. four in 19 minutes is, is. is something that's very special that I'll, that I'll hold on to. Oh, absolutely. Um, and obviously you said you've gone on to um, other highlights throughout your career, which we'll touch on um, in a little bit. But obviously um, your time at the Mariners ended and you ended up going to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, for a very brief time. What was it like going from, obviously, the Mariners to, you could say, somewhat of a rival of the Mariners in the Wanderers? Yeah, obviously, then, you know, th through those next couple of years at the Mariners, things changed a little bit. There was a little bit of a reshuffling of the deck in terms of the playing group and the and the squad um, and some players had started to depart. And, you know, I'd kind of been in and out of the team leading up to that point. And the opportunity then came to, to move on from the Mariners. And at the time, the Wanderers were a very, very strong team. And, you know, they were top of the league when I signed for them. And it was it was a lot different. It was a different different kind of cultural fit in terms yep. of what they were trying to do there at the Wanderers compared to the Mariners at the time. Um, I think, you know, looking back on it now and reflecting on it, it's probably that kind of period there is when when things started to change at the Mariners and, and kind of hit on a little bit of a downward slope, definitely in terms yep. of results. But I think probably yeah. also in terms of the development of the of the team as well. And it wasn't just players such as myself who kind of was, were now establishing themselves as, as A-League as a players week in, week out. But it was also, I think, difficult for a lot of the younger ones as well. There's a lot of talented players that I think Mossy had then brought in that then had kind of been pushed and moved aside for other young players and weren't really given their chance to break through. And I look back and think about, you know, what the Mariners had done up until that point was it was always a club that had given the talented youngsters the opportunities to play and, and they'd done the rest and had pushed on with their career. And I think that kind of losing the balance between having some experienced players out there with those younger ones is probably... Yeah what was the catalyst for then those kind of first few lean years at least Yeah. Um, yeah. post that and and kind of walking into that Wanderers train, change room, which was filled with a few very, very high quality internationals from Holland, from Spain, 
and also some very talented ex-Socceroos and, and high-level A-League players. It was definitely a bit of a, a, bit of a, a cultural shift for me in terms of what the expectations there were and the feel was as opposed to the feel that we had had at the Mariners. And, you know, not to say one is right and one is wrong, but they're different and they've got their own reasons for doing things the way that they do them. But that six-month period there at the Wanderers has kind of taught me some pretty good traits that are kind of needed for the top, top level um, yep. that work work for those guys. And I, I tried to kind of implement into what I did moving forward. No, that's fair enough. And you're definitely not wrong with... Um of basically what you were saying as to what led to the start of the lean years um, at, at the Mariners. It, yeah. Um, and obviously if after the Wanderers, you left the country and went to South Africa yeah. and played for Cape Town City, where you had a bit of a, a bit of success winning a cup with them. What was yeah. it like going basically over the other side of the world, but still in the Southern hemisphere, et cetera. What was yeah. it like? So I left, left the Wanderers. It was a, kind of a good period to kind of be there for six months. Um, and to work with Popper, who for me is one of the best to have done it here in this country and, and to have had the opportunity to work with him is, is something I look back on, you know, with very fond memories and experiences. And But then, the, yeah, the opportunity came to move overseas and there had been some other Australian boys um, who were over there at the time in South Africa and Jeremy Brocky, Michael Boxall and, and my former Mariners teammate, Asaka Cernak, was over there and they were playing for a club in Johannesburg and I'd kind of had a chat to them and this opportunity came up for to play in Cape Town, which was, you know, a very picturesque destination to kind of see in terms of um, in terms of the city there. And I'd spoken to some people about the football and it was something different and the opportunities to kind of step out of your comfort zone into a into a quite a strong league full of a lot of internationals who who are play obviously um, in the in the South African league there and that was something that I that I couldn't turn down, and the opportunity again to work with the owner at the time of that team was the owner who owned Ajax Cape Town for a number of years and had a lot of experience um, working kind of through Europe and and these kind of things with clubs there. So it was a great opportunity. It's one I look back on with with really fond memories. I mean, I only kind of lasted a bit over half a season there. Had some other stuff going off the field that kind of required me to come home early, but it was, it was a fantastic experience to play in a different league and to say you've played in all the World Cup stadiums in South Africa against yeah, the wow. massive clubs. I mean, it's probably a, a little bit of an untapped market for A-League clubs still, the African continent. There hasn't been a lot of players who have come from there to play here. We've obviously yeah. got a lot of players of African descent now playing in our league, which is fantastic. And I think it's an area that our A-League clubs can continue to maybe look at a little bit because there's a lot of talent over there. It was one thing I realised that individually and 1v1, there were there were fantastic players that you'd come up against. And um, big clubs, some very, very big crowds you'd have the opportunity to play in front of um, as well because they love their football over there. Oh, absolutely. There are massively um, – there are cricket, rugby and soccer, yep. mad, mad. nation that they really yeah. are all three of those all yeah. three of those sports yeah absolutely and then obviously you came back to australia and you signed with sydney united 58 um which is a very very proud croatian club um to anyone who may not know who's you know when they listen to this and uh, what was it like going to sydney united yeah so i said i had to come back for some kind of personal reasons and yeah. i'd had a few few friends that were playing there in the npl and once again it was a club that has always kind of pushed the limits to in terms well, of professionalism and, 
and and the level that they've been at and they've developed over you know a very long period of time countless internationals for our national team and 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 players who have played overseas so the opportunity to play for them was one that that I thought was was going it's to like be like a, a no-brainer sort of thing and it was also something that if ever you know that something you know popped up in the professional world again that you know a little closer to home it would have put me in good stead for and oh, the original plan was to kind of go back there for six months and then hopefully sort everything out and and potentially go back into Asia or something. But kind of once I walked through the doors there, it felt, you know, like a, a really good fit and a place for me to be and had an opportunity to work with some great coaches during my time there. Um, you know, Marco Rudin, Tommy Vidovic, Miro now, who's still the coach there. Jason Shalina was our coach for a little bit as well. So to work with some really, really good people and 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 the people who kind of run the club there too and, and the playing group was always going to be strong and successful, you know, mm. given the players that were there. So it was a great experience, and and we played in some some pretty big games for for them as well. Well, they definitely um, hold themselves in in high regard because I was at the Mariners Academy NPL game at Pluton mm. Park of oh, about oh, just under two months ago now, when they played Sydney United, and Sydney United lost, and they were filthy with themselves, as in the players mm. and whatnot. They really do hold themselves to a to a high yeah. standard and. You can't deny that. Um, yeah. And obviously now you're back at Manly United. What's yeah. it like? And how's it yeah, going? Yeah, so funnily enough, yeah, during COVID, the, the second COVID year, the league got called to a head and I'd had an opportunity and a phone call from Sydney FC to come and work in their senior academy. And um, that opportunity was was one that I really couldn't turn down, but would, would require me to, to kind of find somewhere new to play if I wanted to keep playing just because logistically – it would have been a little bit too difficult and whatnot. So, yeah, mm-hmm. spoke to spoke to Adam Griffiths at Manly, and and he was was happy for me to come back and play there, and and it was good to give back to the team that that obviously gave me the opportunity. All sort of started ago. it all. So, yeah, yeah, we've we've had a pretty good period there last year. Obviously, we were minor uh, runners up in the minor premiership, and then lost the grand final as well. And you know, it's still well, a very you did win club. the grand final in twenty twenty for the NPL. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah, know, that was all with, the way to that victory. was with, uh, United. So it was. We, yep. we lost the year before, which was which was difficult to take in extra time against Arpia, and then the year after we we beat Rockdale on penalties. And, and oh, that I was, was going to say it would have been better so. if you had beaten Arpia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have been good to win both of them, but you, you can't win them all. So yeah, I've been pretty lucky enough at the NPL level the last few years to play in a few grand finals, and and it was good to to win that one in 2020. Absolutely. So I've got some. Um, Fun quick fire questions yep. for you, but that's after my my next. Uh, you could say three questions. First mm-hmm. question is: Did you follow any other sports growing up? Uh mostly football. My my mother's yep. English. Dad likes a little bit of cricket and stuff, and, and AFL okay. and whatnot. But I was mostly a football junkie from from okay. as soon as you I realised what it was. Did you follow a Premier League team growing I up? I did. I did. My mum's from Liverpool, but unfortunately my dad got me the Man United jersey when I was really oh. young. I've supported them ever since. I was going to say, she'd be filthy. Is she a Liverpool yeah, or an Everton fan? She's Liverpool. Half her family's Liverpool, the other half's Everton. And okay, somehow yeah. dad got his way in between. <laughs> wow. I'm surprised that he's allowed in the to family meetings yeah. given he's Manchester United. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. Um who was your biggest influence, like in general, to become the person you are today? I think def- definitely family. You know, yeah. like I said, football's been a big part. You know, I've got a younger brother who's who's played at a decent level as well, and 
and my other brother, we would always be spending time at football when we were younger. And that was something that came from then. And, and my parents have kept me pretty level headed and, and pushing on to, to what it is that I've wanted to achieve. And, and I guess without them, yeah, I wouldn't be, wouldn't have done any of it. That's awesome. And I've got one last question before quick fire and it's what is three or one, uh, just depending on how many you can think of life lessons that you've learned that you wish you knew when you were younger. You never know what's around the corner, so just take it as it comes. Don't plan too far ahead. You know, I think football is one thing that, that definitely shows you that, just to, to worry about what you're doing day in, day out, to, to get to where you want to go, but don't be thinking that you're already there or or that it's going to come easy, you know, because football can, can teach you that pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. And I think COVID also helped a lot of people learn that as well. Yeah. Um, so definitely agreed with that. Right, quick fire questions. First of all, Apple or Android? Apple. Fair enough. Uh, Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Absolutely. Uh, YouTube or TikTok? YouTube. Yes. Uh, what's your favourite movie? Oh, Any Given Sunday. Oh, good film. What's your favourite music? A little bit of house. Okay. What's your favourite food? Favourite food? Right now I'm going to say Japanese. Ooh, any particular like gyoza or anything like that yeah like gyoza like mm. curry, the katsu curries like the udon the tempura a bit of anything oh, I, I love Sushi. me a good i love me a good gyoza absolutely and yeah. um, if you're ever ever up in the tweed heads area there's a wonderful japanese uh restaurant called gyoza man he he oh. makes he, he all of his uh, all of his things on the menu are fr- like his mother's recipes as oh, well perfect. it's so amazing um good. Uh, what's your favorite drink my favourite drink, I'm a big coffee drinker. Okay, what's your coffee? I was going to say, what's your coffee? It's a macchiato. Yeah. Um, that covers the quick fire sort of questions. Um, I guess, who was the biggest pest while you were at the Mariners? Mitchell Duke, without a doubt. <laughs> I don't even have to debate that one. That, was, not even a question? One, yeah, he was one of those ones that he didn't mind a prank, and but he didn't like it when he got it back. So oh, he was okay. thinking about what's coming next. And yeah, we yeah. had some good times. Okay, um, so obviously there was a pest. Who was the uh, coach's pet? The coach's pet? Oh. I mean, you all want to kind of be one to get selected, but yeah. who was the biggest brown noser? Oh, I don't think there was anyone like that. I think the, the, huh? the, the boys at the Mariners seemed to be always pretty chilled and everyone kind of took it in their stride. And, you know, there's the old saying, the no dickhead policy, and that was, yeah. that was something that was pretty evident when you walk in the door there. Yep, and obviously he's... Recently, he's retired. Matt Simon, uh, what's he like? Legend, legend. Yeah. So chill. I mean, you know, he was an. I mean, definitely not on the field. He's not chill. <laughs> yeah, on, on, yeah, he's a little bit white line fever when he gets out there. But I think you need that in order to be a striker yeah. and someone that wants to score goals. And you know, he was always one of the ones that was so good to people when they walked in the door. And I, I think he's probably another reason why Monty's brought him back and yeah. and been a big reason for the revival because he knows what it means. He is everything that that club is and epitomises, you know, on and off the field. And having him around the playing group would be priceless right now for, for Monty and the staff. Absolutely. Um, and one last question about the Mariners before I ask what's next is, what are your thoughts on the Mariners' chances for the AFC Cup? The AFC Cup? Yeah. So, yeah, I think you know, when you're going into that this part of the world now, it, it's, it is difficult for Australian clubs to compete in terms of the financial side of the game and obviously what happens, you know, throughout the rest of Asia, you know, they're spending a lot of money on their infrastructure and their youth development 
but also the foreign talent that they kind of bring in and the domestic talent they retain. But I think if it's one thing that we kind of learned from the success of some of the Australian teams in the Champions League and whatnot is that it can be done. Yeah. I think it's just about Australian clubs prioritising and saying that this is something we really want to give a go and to try and source it, you know, effectively like that. But it's something that I think when you've got talented young players as well, it's an opportunity to expose them to playing in these kind of competitions. You know, I look back on my time in the Mariners and the Champions League campaigns was something I look back on as real amazing opportunities. Like we played San Freche Hiroshima and their coach is the coach of the national team now. And it was a top level team that we had to play against and, and we held our own. So, you know, I think it's something that, you know, Aussie clubs need to push more of and, and use it as a good opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I also like that, um, Teams, not necessarily the Mariners, they may do this as well, but they use it as a chance to give the the players that may not get a start week in, week out during the actual A-League season, yep. give them a bit of experience, give them a bit of a pre-season, for lack of mm, a better term. For sure. um, I, I love that, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I thought of a question just as you were talking about um, other competitions and that's right. It was the the B League is what people are nicknaming yep. it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and how do you think it's going to go? Uh, same again. It's just I think something now that they've just got to finalise the model and work it out. There's definitely a thirst for it at, at the NPL level with the big clubs yeah. about bringing players through. It'll be a good bridging I, sort of thing. That too, but I think it just needs to be a more opportunity for players. Like I look at it now and, and back when you know it was really difficult for me to get through, and and I've played with players who were a lot more talented than I were that kind of threw it in because there wasn't enough opportunity. But yet now we've got great development programs for our young players. We've got A-League academies, NPL academies. But getting through to the professional environment is still very, very difficult. And mm. a little bit we can say cream rises to the top and it should lift the standard of our A-League, which I think it's probably done. But at the same time, I think that there, we, if we want to grow as a footballing country, we need to have a bigger player pool because yep. you go to Japan, we get players that come to the NPL in Japan that, haven't ever played professionally in Japan and they light it up because the level over there is so strong, you can't get into the professional game. They've got so many players. We need to kind of get to the level where we've got really strong A-league clubs, really strong clubs underneath, and there's opportunity constantly for young players to get better because it could be still a little bit disheartening. Like I said, I work at Sydney FC now, so I see the bottleneck and as it starts to happen, and it's a tough, tough place to get through. And if we can expand the opportunities for all these players, then hopefully we can create more gems that are, you know, doing great things in the A-League at the moment at the different clubs and, and give more opportunity to them. Oh, absolutely agreed. And I guess my final question is, what's next for Matt Sim? Yeah, so we'll see how much longer I can run around. You know, I'm yep. running around now with, with, with obviously, obviously Manly, but, you know, I've got an eye on coaching and, and I've been now at Sydney FC for the last couple of years and, and it's been you know, a phenomenal experience to work there and, and to have the opportunity to work with some great people. And, and I think that's the pathway I'm obviously going to go down now. And, Is and we'll coaching? See, you know, where, yeah, in coaching and we'll see you know, where, it, uh, where it ends up. 